Grace, mercy, and peace be to you from God our Father and our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Amen. How many times a day do you think a child asks their mother a question? Some of us, as we get a little bit older, may not ask our mothers questions as frequently or even at once a day at all. But think about when we were young. I was talking with a mother from our own congregation, and she told me I could share this story here. And she was telling me that her and her daughter were driving across town from one point to another, just a five-mile drive that only took them 12 minutes. And in their 12-minute drive, her daughter asked her 168 questions. 168 questions in 12 minutes. That's a lot of questions. And I'm sure she was listening to all of them, but pointedly counting because our mothers, today as we get to give thanks to God for mothers, above all the other things they do for us, are patient. Patient in their willingness to let us ask them anything. To ask them anything. And today as we reflect on Scripture, God's word for us from 1 John chapter 5. We see that God tells us we can ask him anything. And as we dive into that, dive into what it truly means to, for God to tell us that we can ask him anything, we're going to go, do so in a little bit of a different fashion today. Today we're going to start from the very end of our scripture reading and work our way backwards from there. And so our reading today ended with verse 15. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we have asked of him. So if we know that God hears us in everything we ask him, then we know that we have the requests we ask of him. We know that God will give us everything we ask for. That's what that means, right? So if I go to God and I pray to him, I know he hears me. And if I ask him, God, that car I just saw drive down the road, that's a beautiful car. I'd really love to have that. Or if we pray to God asking for him to have a beautiful house, the dream home remodeled inside and out. Or if we pray to him asking to be the star athlete on our club team. Or pray to him to get perfect grades in all of our classes. Surely he's going to give us all those things. Right? That's what the scripture verse is saying, isn't it? No. Of course you can tell by my tone of voice. And by the fact that many of you may have prayed for some of these things. And you still might be waiting for them. That's not what God is saying here. And if we were to stop right here, if this were the only verse of Scripture we were to have today, we would have quite a large problem in understanding what it means. Which also goes to show the challenge in taking one verse out of Scripture and just isolating it from all the rest and just throwing it around. So, in order to understand this better, we back up a bit more in the Scripture. And it says, And this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, he hears us. We have confidence going to God in prayer, confidence to him because we know that anything we ask according to his will, he will hear us. God's will isn't that we all have the nicest cars, the most beautiful dream homes, the most prestigious jobs, the best athletes, or the best grades in the class. God's will is that you be saved. God's will is that you have eternal life. Which to say that also must mean that we have to admit some things about our lives and the situation that we're in. 
The fact that we need to be saved means that we are admitting that we are in a world that we need to be saved from. And that's the truth because we experience sin, death, and the devil every single day. The sin, death, and the devil that brings pain and heartache into our lives, suffering in our lives that is ridden far more than we would ever like. And we must also admit that we need to be saved. That we can't do it on our own. Nothing on our own could ever gain us that salvation. Now, I know I'm saying that again to a group of people who we hear that time and time again, right? We are not saved by works, but only by the grace of God through faith in Jesus Christ alone. But don't let that become just some statement that you hear over and over. Truly think about what that means. Each and every one of us must admit before our God that we have sinned, that I have sinned that I have thought things that only God knows and they're not things that I should think. That I have done things that God tells me I shouldn't do. And I have said things that I wouldn't want anybody else to hear and yet God hears them and they are not things I should say. Yes, we must admit that each one of us have sinned and that we need God. But praise God that his will be that you be saved. Praise God that his will is that you be saved from sin, death, and the devil. Praise God for redeeming you from all that is in this world. And just how? How can I be so certain that this is God's will? How can I stand before you and tell you this is what God's will is for you? Because scripture tells us so. So we back up a little bit more in our reading today. And it says... I write these things to you who believe in the name of the Son of God that you may know that you have eternal life. That you may know that you have eternal life. If you look up in the dictionary, the English dictionary, Webster's dictionary, the word to know is defined as to understand as truth or fact, to apprehend clearly with certainty. What if another word were used? What if instead of the word to know, the word to think was used? Which Merriam-Webster's dictionary describes that, defines as to consider something as possible. To take without proof. To assume. If any other word were used here, it completely change the meaning. God wants you to know with certainty, with proof, with fact, to apprehend clearly. You have eternal life. Let's be picky about some more of these words that are used here. Today we're going to be real picky about all these words and God's word to us because it means so to our benefit, to the gospel of Jesus Christ. He tells us that you have eternal life. Present tense. It's yours. Now yes, when we die or when the Lord comes back again to this earth, we will have eternal life forever with him. But also right now, you have eternal life. Since the day that you were claimed by water and the word in that baptismal font, gave, God gave you eternal life. In the name of the Father and of the Son and the Holy Spirit, he put his mark on you, claiming you as his child. His child who has eternal life right now and forever. Through Jesus Christ alone. Jesus Christ 
as we heard this past Thursday in Ascension worship from Reverend Dr. Dale Meyer from Concordia Seminary, who preached from this very same pulpit, telling us it matters who Jesus is. It matters for us to understand and truly believe who Jesus is. Because Jesus wasn't just some prophet or some teacher. He was true God, and he still is. True God who came into this world for you to suffer and die for you. But also this Easter season that we still continue to celebrate, and every day for that matter, who rose for you. And who is now ascended, seated at the right hand of God, interceding for you every single day. Which is also why we so often, with such great joy and gusto, say these words back and forth. Alleluia! Christ is risen. risen We get to say that with confidence because that is another word of God that he tells us that you have eternal life. But we need to back up one more time in Scripture. This time, a little bit further than our reading as a sign for us this morning. All the way throughout the entire epistle of 1 John, in which God gives us his testimony, his testimony that is far greater than any testimony in this world could ever give. His testimony in 1 John chapter 1, which says, If we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. God's testimony in 1 John chapter 2 that says, My little children, I am writing these things to you so that you may not sin. But if anyone does sin, we have an advocate with the Father, Jesus Christ, the righteous. And then God's testimony that continues in 1 John chapter 3. See what kind of love the Father has given to us, that we should be called children of God. And so we are. And then God's testimony continues in 1 John chapter 4 when he says, Little children, you are from God and have overcome them. For he who is in you is greater than he who is in the world. And God's testimony again in 1 John chapter 5. For everyone who has been born of God overcomes the world. And this is the victory that has overcome the world. Our faith. This is the testimony of God that God gives you not just in 1 John, but in all of Scripture. So that you may believe, so that you may know that you have eternal life. So know this. You can ask God anything. Ask him 168 questions in 12 minutes. Ask him for anything in this car world, a beautiful car, a beautiful house, whatever it may be. Maybe he'll give it to you. But what I know, what scripture tells us, is he will give you everything you need according to his will. His will that you have eternal life with him. Amen. Now may the peace of God which passes all understanding guard your hearts and minds in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen. And please stand as we join our hearts together in song.